Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. We hope that this message will challenge you and encourage you on your journey of faith. If you would like to learn more about Journey Church, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and online at thejourneychurch.cc. Now enjoy the message. You know, I love our church. Can I just say that again? I love, 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 love what God is doing at Journey Church, y'all. I do. I love it. I love it that you guys can love me even in my imperfection. Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing, church? Right? We're supposed to be loving one another even in our junk, our mess. And the pastor of the church, the pastors of the church, I'll include Kim, even though she's a lot more holier than I am. I'll include her in this. Uh, you know, the pastors are not above that. Amen? Amen? The pastors are not above that. We, we deal with stuff day in and day out. Listen, when we preach these messages that we're preaching to you, like the one I'm going to be preaching to you in just a second, when we preach these messages to you, y'all, they're not messages that we've got all figured out. We're not, we're not the experts on this topic. We're digging in the scriptures along with you. We're learning along with you. We're developing and growing along with you. And so if you look at any pastor as the ones who got it all figured out, you're going to be so- sorely disappointed when you see their human- humanity. Amen? Amen, church. That's right. That's right. What is going on with my thing? Hold on a second. The last person that used this was Pastor Kim. And so, oh, the shade, it's already happening. Hold on. Hold on. I don't even know where it's at. I don't even know where it's at. Hold on a second. Let me figure it out. Let me figure it out. While I'm, he does know where it's at, but he needs to tell me now so I can figure it out. That's so sweet. That was such a good church answer. Amen. God knows. Amen. Y'all can preach on that. God knows. Amen. Amen. Auto lock. There it is. There it is. Auto lock. Who did that? You did that, didn't you? You did that. No? All right. So, I got to blame somebody. You want to open this for me? Can you open that for me? Thank you. I was mean. I don't need that. Y'all about to get real. All right. So we are doing our Advent series. We kicked this off last week, and I know if you're a traditionalist and you've been in church for a long time, you're like, wait, Pastor Chris, Advent's not three services. It's not three Sundays. It's four Sundays, and, and there's only three topics in our Advent series, peace, joy, and love. And, yes, I understand that. Traditionally, Advent has four Sundays we do uh, service for, and the first Sunday is usually hope. But here's what happened. We were doing a series prior to this called Shift. Y'all remember Shift? It happens, right? Shift happens, right? And so we were doing a series on Shift, and uh, Pastor Kim preached that. She kicked it off. It was really good. And then the next week I was going to preach it and the Holy Spirit just completely took over the service and people were getting prayed for and set free. And that was really fantastic. But it pushed our message back a day, right? A, a week. And so then I had to preach it. I had to close the service up the following week, which would actually have been the first week of our Advent series on hope. But good thing is the second week of shift was actually a message on hope. Y'all remember that? You see how we did this? Like God knew. It's like God knew because we were talking about gratitude and how our gratitude is anchored in our hope and our hope is found in Jesus Christ on nothing less, right? And so we wrapped week two of shift up in that, and that was really week one of Advent. We're just kind of mixing up. So now week two was peace. Pastor Kim preached on peace last week, and that was a great message. If you weren't here for that, go back and check the archive out. It was a really, really good message. And then this week we're, we're talking about joy, 
right? Next week, we're going to be, or, or this coming Friday, I should say, not next week, this coming Friday, right, uh, Christmas Eve service, we're going to be wrapping up our Advent series, and we're going to be talking about love. I'm not going to be talking about love. I'm going to be singing about love. Pastor Kim is going to be talking about love, and it's going to be a really good service. <laughs> Would y'all have done that if I just said I was going to be preaching? Would y'all been like, ooh, all right, go. Lies, lies. All right, so, so I know she's highly favored. I know she's awesome. She's your favorite pastors, all right? So, all right, so, so Christmas Eve, <laughs> see, there's a lot of some inside jokes. Some of y'all are watching online right now. Y'all need to come to church. I know it's raining outside. I know it's cold outside. Y'all used to come to church. Y'all should come back to church, right? Not watching online, amen. This is where you get the inside jokes from. Come on, somebody, all right? That's right. So week, week four will be the Christmas Eve service, and, and Pastor Kim will be talking about love. Um, so we're talking about joy this week, and we're going to kind of set the record straight on joy because what people think joy is and what joy really is is two different things. For a lot of us, we know what joy is not, don't we? We kind of know what joy is not, right? So uh, bring that first picture up. You got that first picture up there? Can you see it? It's up there? It's the, yeah, it's the Grinch. All right, so we, we know this is what joy is not. Amen. Some of us, you know, we look like that, and we do have joy. Our hearts have just failed to notify our faces, amen? So, but we know that's not what joy looks like. But then for some of us, we might have an idea that, that, that joy is, is something like this. Go to the next slide, right? We might think that's joy. And if you have kids and you spent your years, you spent years, years, you'll never, ever get back watching that guy. You'll know that, that he's not the picture of joy, amen? That's an over-exaggerated picture. If there's anybody in your life that's like that, run. <laughs> Amen. There, so it's not the Grinch. It's not SpongeBob. These are two different ends of the spectrum, right? So what is real joy? What is genuine joy? Genuine joy is not, listen to me, because this is important. Genuine joy is not an emotion. Did you hear me? It's not an emotion. Well, I thought, I thought it's an emotion. If you're joyful, you're, you're happy. Think about what you just said. If you're joyful, you're what? You described an expression of joy. Do, do you hear me? So there's a difference between the two. You see, joy is not an emotion, but it is also not the absence of emotions. There is a difference between joy and happiness. Do you know the word happy or happiness comes from the word happens, right? happenstance, right? It, it, it's based on happenings. It's based on what goes good in my life. If, if things are going great in my life, then I'm what, church? I'm happy. And things are not going great in my life, then I'm what, church? Not happy. Sad, right? Not happy. Happiness is based on happening circumstances. But joy, biblical joy, joy that we have, joy that you have, whether you came into church notifying your face or not, the joy that you have goes much deeper than that. The joy that you have is your strength. It really is. It's your strength. It's, it's the strength of God to face any circumstance, any situation. In the book of Nehemiah, it's an Old Testament book. I know I gave it to you as a last scripture, but I'm going to use my first scripture. See how good you are. All right. So, oh, he's good. He's real good, y'all. Give that, give that media guy a round of applause, y'all. That's just, you're my favorite media guy. So, so 
Nehemiah 8, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Nehemiah is a prophet. You go back and you read it. And he was the one that was responsible for rebuilding the walls around the city of Jerusalem. Israel had been captive, held captive in Babylon. The Jerusalem walls have been torn down. And so Nehemiah gets permission from the king to go and rebuild uh, these walls around Jerusalem. And it's a daunting task of taking, watch this, taking every brick and every stone and putting it back in its place uh, to, to form a full wall, right? A, a whole wall. We would call that what? We would call that arena, right? It would be peace, right? Shalom in the, in the Hebrew. It would be peace. It would be fullness. And so he was responsible, responsible for restoring the walls around Jerusalem to shalom, right? And in doing that, people started griping and complaining. And he has he's really great leaders. A lot of good leadership stuff in there you can bring out. But people were griping and complaining, and Nehemiah goes on, and, and he says to them, he says, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of uh, food with people who have nothing prepared. Is that 10? Yeah, keep going. It says, and this is the sacred day before the Lord. How many of you know the day today, right now, is a sacred day? Amen? It's today. Today is a sacred day. Not yesterday. Today is a sacred day. Not, not in the future, but today is your sacred day, right? He says, this is the sacred day before the Lord, this day right here, today. He said, don't be dejected. When was the last time you used the word dejected? I can't even say it. Dejected. Don't be dejected or sad. He said, for the joy of the Lord is your, come on, church, the joy of the Lord is what? Your strength. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. I know circumstances don't always look like they're going to pan out. I know the stock market is crashing. I know your job might be facing layoffs. I know there are all sorts of things. The doctor is giving you a bad prognosis. I know there are these things going on in your life, but listen to me. Your strength is not found in what they say. Their strength is found in who God is. The joy of the Lord that I have is the strength, is my strength. See, joy doesn't come from what you have. Listen, this is so good. I wish I got this one. I wish this was my one-liner, but it's not. And I can't remember who said this one-liner. I don't remember his name, Pastor Tom something or another. But because I can't remember his last name, I'm going to claim it as mine. All right, so here's what it says. I'm just kidding. It's Pastor Tom's. Listen to what it says. Joy doesn't come from what you have. He says it comes from what you know can't be taken from you. Oh, that's good. That's so good, y'all should have been writing that down, at least making it look like you're right. Now, I don't care if you're texting the person beside you about me. Just write it down. <laughs> Put it in there. The joy, joy doesn't come from what you have. It comes from what you know can't be taken from you, right? So my life might be shattering around me. My life might be fragile <laughs> I think that was a good thing. That's Christmas story. It's Christmas time. How many of y'all got that? Fragile for you. Anyways, so your life might be fragile. There, I fixed it. But if your life is fragile, even though your life is fragile, your salvation is not. Come on. It's not found in what you can get. It's found in what you know can't be taken from you. Your salvation cannot be taken from you. What does the Bible say in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 through 39? Write that down. Extra scripture, not one I gave you. It says, it says nothing can separate us from the love of God. 
He said, not your past, not your future, not angels nor demons, not the powers of hell or whatever is going on. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And so your friends might reject you. You might be talked about on social media. Somebody might be spreading a rumor about you. Those are what's happening here. But what cannot be taken from you is the fact that you are fully pleasing and fully accepted by God, fully loved and adored. Now, that's not to say that you just kind of don't, uh, you just regard what's happening. It's not to say that, that, that you don't feel or experience emotions because you do. We'll get to that in just a moment. But my point is, my point is, is that our joy doesn't come from what we have. It comes from what we know can't be taken from us. First Thessalonians 5 verse 16, I think it is. I hope it is. 5.16, it's, the short, it's a short, short Bible verse. How many of y'all memorize Bible verses? Anybody memorize scriptures in here in the room? Just pretend, y'all. Throw some hands. Anybody ever seen the Bible before? Let me see your hands. Okay, there we go. All right. Um, y'all, I'm just <laughs> track. I know it's cold outside. It's dark. It's rainy. But you are the faithful ones that made it out here. You're faithful, too, if you're watching online. You're just easy faithful. Amen? So I'm just kidding. I love you, too. I do. I promise. I do. I do. <laughs> Y'all, I am full of myself this morning. All right. But y'all don't mind, right? Well, sit down. All right, so 1 Thessalonians 5.16. It's a short scripture. Everybody can memorize this scripture. Do me a favor. Everybody read this with me. Ready? Go. Always be. Come on. Listen, y'all don't memorize the scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, give yourselves a pat on the back. Always be joyful. Always be joyful. You ever read a verse like that sometimes and go, oh, that sounds good, but how? Always be joyful? Always? Because there are plenty of situations where I'm not so joyful. I'm not expressing, listen, there's a I'm not expressing the joy that I have. Paul's saying always be in a position where you express the joy that you have. Always be joyful. How? You see, if we're waiting for the perfect circumstance, we will be waiting forever. Did you know that? If we're waiting for the perfect circumstance to express our joyfulness in the Lord, the strength that we have in our lives, we'll be waiting forever. And, and if, and if you do happen to get that perfect circumstance, then your joy is only attached and will only last as long as that circumstance does. How many times have we said things like, man, if I can just get a bigger house, good Lord knows. There was a season in my life, thank you, Jesus, God's faithfulness and provision made a way, but there was a short period of time where my family was condensed inside of my mom's house, y'all, and I love my mom. I do. We are, we are good. But when you take a family of five and you crunch them into a townhouse, things get tight. Amen. And three cats. Yeah, and all sorts of things. Yes, yeah, so it's like, you have to, but, but, but see, see if, if we sit there, and in that moment, if I said, you know, if we can just find another house, then I'll be happy. If we can just get into a new house, if we can just get this church going, then I'll be happy. If we can just, if I can just get out of crawl spaces, y'all, and go back into full-time ministry, Jesus, then I'll be happy. <laughs> then I'll be happy. And do you know what I found out? Even getting out of the house and getting a nice house, and a year later, God hooking us up and buying a house. Do you know there, there are still opportunities for me not to be joyful? There are still opportunities where I still feel and experience the same emotions, same thoughts, same processes that I felt when I was in that small room, right? 
There are times where I feel, listen, there were times, I can tell you right now, there were days where I have been more, I have been more joyful, expressing my joy while in a crawl space, in the dark, crawling around in mud with spider crickets jumping at my face. Them things don't run from you. They run to you. It's the stupidest thing in the world. And snakes and broken sewage pipes. Listen, listen, there have been times where I've been more joyful in that moment than I've been sitting down in my car eating a blueberry muffin and drinking an energy drink in the morning. Y'all got to know my life. If you come to the church, you know my life. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm an open book, right? You guys see that. Sometimes you're like, I'm so proud of him. And other times you're like, eh, I could have done better. Right? Thank you. I was going somewhere with that anchor point. I haven't gotten to my five points. Well, I got plenty of time. We got 20 minutes. One point for every five minutes. Here we go. Did I do that when you preached? I don't think I did that when you preached. You were an example. Jeez. All right. All right. Where was I at? No, I haven't gotten there yet. That's just a minute. I was joyful. Yeah, so joyful. Oh, thank you. You redeemed yourself. So, so that's right. So there have been moments that we're waiting on the perfect moment. They're going to be waiting forever, right? And if we do find that perfect moment, it's only going to last as long as that moment lasts. And then it goes away. But the message of Christmas, and we're in a Christmas series, a Christmas series on Advent, right? And the message of Christmas is a message of everlasting joy, everlasting joy. It resides on the inside of you. It is an anchor point. It's an anchor point on Christ, our joy. And where you find joy, in the, where do you find joy in the midst of a bad doctor's report? Where do you find joy in the midst of an unstable economy? Where do you find joy when your marriage is shattered? Where do you find joy when all these things start popping up in your life, because they will. And I'm not speaking it. Don't speak that over me. If you live life any period of time, any length of time, you know things don't always go the way you think they should. And so what do you do? Where do you go? What do you do? How do you have joy in the midst of those situations? We're diving in the Scripture. Romans 15, verse 4. Look there. So Romans 15, verse 4, it says, such things were written in scriptures long ago to teach us. What were the things written in scriptures to do? What were they to do? Come on, church, what were they to do? To teach us, right? And it says in scripture, in the scriptures, give us hope. Y'all say hope. Hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. We dig into Scripture. Scripture is valuable. It's good. We dig into Scripture. It's because in Scripture we draw out our hope. We see Christ revealed in Scripture. We, we, we dig in and see God's faithfulness over and over and over again as we wait for the faithfulness of God to manifest in our lives in this season, right? So we dig into Scripture, and, and we're going to do that here with the Christmas story. I want you to, just a side note, just remember this. Everything in the Bible was written for you. Hear me out. Everything is written for you, but not everything in the Bible was written to you. Amen? Do you hear me? Everything is written for you, but not everything is written to you. 
See, the book of Ephesians was written to the church of Ephesus, and the book of Colossians was written to the church of Colossae, and the book of, of Galatians was written to the church of Galatia, and Judges was written for the Jewish people, and, and Kings was written for the Jewish people. They're written to all these different people, but we sit on this side of time in history where we have all of it together so we can glean from it for us, not necessarily to us. Got it? Okay, And so you can learn from that. And that's good news. Aren't you glad that that's the case? Aren't you glad? Right? So, so we're diving into this. So five truths about joy. I got it. Five truths about joy, right? You want to jot these down, y'all note takers in there. Somebody. Anybody. You'll get it from him later. That's cheating. All right. I don't know. All right, so the first one is this. The first truth about joy is this, is that joy is here. Y'all say here. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, we're reading the story of the shepherds, right? The shepherds that were, that were in the fields tending their sheep when the angel appears to them. In, in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, it says, And that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. In verse 9, it said, Suddenly. Y'all say suddenly. Say it again. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the radiance of, of the Lord's glory surrounded them, surrounded them. And it says, and they were terrified. Suddenly, suddenly, joy is here. Joy is present in this moment. For them, they were in the fields, they were tending sheep, and in a moment, suddenly, joy was manifested. Listen, it says, well, they were terrified. Wait, the message brings joy. I'm highlighting the fact that it said, suddenly. Suddenly, in that moment, joy was brought to them. So joy is, is here. The shepherd's routine, it was a boring thing to be a shepherd. You walk out, your sheep go and they eat. You make sure that they don't get eaten in the process. But for the most part, it's not a very glamorous job, tending sheep. Actually, it might even get a little frustrating because sheep are not the brightest animals. Amen? They're just not. It's a very boring job. It's a lackluster job. Do you know how I know this? I have proof. You ready? When you have a hard time falling asleep, what do you tell? What are you supposed to do? Count what? Proven right there. Proven. It's simple. If you're having a hard time falling asleep, just count the sheep. And that's what they were doing. One, two, Three, four, five, right? Right. And it said, and then suddenly, suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared to them. Suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared to them. You know, in the middle of their routine, in the middle of their everyday life, joy manifests. Joy appeared for them. Joy found its place there. Joy was there. In their everyday routine, you don't have to go on vacation to have joy. As a matter of fact, if you've ever gone on vacation, it can be lacking joy. Have you, especially if you have kids, you said it, not me. But yeah, yeah, it can it can be a lackluster moment. It can be a, a vacation. I, you know, for me, I struggle to go on vacation, y'all. I have a I struggle to turn my brain off. Some of y'all are like, you have one? I do. I struggle to turn my brain off. 
It goes constantly, doesn't it? Does it not? It goes constantly. And when we go on vacation, like clockwork. Now, I'm trying to get better. I think I did a little bit better this go around, maybe. Did I get better? But usually, no, I didn't. Okay, usually when I go on vacation, she's honest. Usually when I go on vacation, it takes me three days to unwind. And by day three, something happens. And I'm like, this is, well, this is awesome. This is amazing. And I get about like six hours of amazing. And then something happens. I get a phone call. I get a text. Some people need boundaries. And so the pastor needs boundaries. Just because you text me does not mean I need to answer your text in that moment. And so three, I do answer text, though. Y'all know I do text you back. But, but if I'm on vacation and I'm off, boundaries. I, I need to cut my phone. It took me three days to get, get to the point where I can get rested, and, and I get six hours of good rest, and then I'm right back at work. And, and so my whole vacation is gone, and I didn't have a joyful moment. But you don't have to go on vacation to experience joy. It said suddenly, in verse 9, it says, suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared. How many of you, that's how life works, isn't it? Life, for the most part, works in suddenlies, doesn't it? It does. Suddenly, the angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of God's, uh, the Lord's glory surrounded them. Suddenly, it's suddenly, it's suddenly that you lose your job, right? It's suddenly that you get a bad doctor's prognosis. It's, it's suddenly things can change for the bad. But the good news is that joy is here. That joy is here. Right now, in this moment, joy is here. And if things can suddenly change for the bad, guess what they can also do? Suddenly change for the good. Amen? They can suddenly change for the good. The presence of God is manifested in your life right here. There is never going to be anywhere you can go where you can get away from God. You are not that good. I don't care how good at hide-and-seek you are, you're just not that good. I was talking to somebody in group. Wasn't it in group this past Wednesday where one of our guys said, we, we, what's, what says in group stays in group. So for, for, this is a funny story, and he wouldn't mind me sharing it. But this is what he said. He said when he was younger, his, his son was younger, they used to play hide-and-go-seek, except for he didn't know he was playing hide-and-go-seek. And so his kid would come out the closet, like after an hour of being in the closet, and was like, you didn't find me. And the dad said, didn't know we were playing. So the kid was just hanging out. In the closet by himself for hours, you know. <laughs> that was such a funny story. But my point was this, is that even if you're like that kid and you can hide from his dad, you can't hide from God. Where are you going to go that God's not? Come on, where are you going to go that God's not? David said, I can go into the sky, you're there. If I go into the sea, you're there. If I go down to the grave itself, Sheol, then you're there. I can't escape you. I can't get away from you. So, so just uh, joy is here. Joy is here right now. Number two. See, I'm doing good. I'm so on time. Number two. So number one is joy is here. Number two, joy is sent. You see, the Lord has sent joy into our lives. Go back to Luke chapter 2 again, verses 10 and 12 through 12. It says, it says, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news. Y'all say good news. That will bring great joy. Y'all say great joy. So he says, I will bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Verse 11 says, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of God. And it says, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped up in a Snuggie. In strips of, that is what it says, Snuggie. 
you will find a baby wrapped in the Snuggie, lying in the manger. Good news, great joy. Good news and great joy. So I, we, we, I've come to bring you good news and great joy. Good news is for everybody, right? This good news comes, I come to bring you good news. And then he personalized it, and it's going to bring you great joy. Good news has the ability to bring you great joy or, or, or to show you the great joy you have. It's a personalization of it. And Christmas is the personalizing, personalizing of the good news. When I make the good news my news, it brings great joy. Great joy is manifest, right? You know, let me just tell you, if you, so the lottery, no one plays a lottery in this church, right? But if the lottery, the lottery got the $352 million, I mean, so I heard. And it was at $352 million. Now, listen, if you came to me and you said, hey, Pastor Chris, something really awesome happened to me last night. And you came to church and you told me this. And I said, what's that? And you said, I won the lottery. I'm like, for real, how much did you win? $352 million. How many of you know? That's good news. That's good news. Amen. So, well, I don't play the lottery. Okay, well, then you're not in the story. So $352 million is good news. But do you know when it becomes great joy? When I show up and I say, hey, y'all, guess what happened last night? Your pastor played the lottery. He won $352 million. Great joy. Amen. Good news, you win it. Great joy, I get it. Amen. Do you see how that works, right? And because, like, right now, I'm telling you right now, if I had won the lottery, I'd be like, you get a new car. You get a new car. You get everybody gets new cars. Only if you came to church. So, <laughs> that's right. I, 350, $352 million, yeah. Yeah, you can. So, it, it, so they have to know I won it. I mean, all right, so. Is that guilty? Am I tax evasion? No. Okay, come on, Let's keep going. So good news becomes great joy when it becomes personal, right? And so he says to them, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy. This is incredible, right? And so when we have, we see, we see joy is sent. It's sent. And the thing about joy being sent to us is that when we see or experience joy, then we share it. You ever notice that somebody who has real joy has no problem sharing the joy? I'm not talking about being goofy SpongeBob, right? That's not real. But I'm talking about when someone has joy, they have the ability to look into your situation and share with you the joy that they have. So joy is sent, but it's also shared. If you go back and you look in Luke chapter 2, verses 17 through 18, it says, and after seeing him, now the, the shepherds, they had hung out in the field, and they, they take the words of the angels, and they go and they find the baby Jesus, and, and, and they see him. And it says in verse 17, it says, and after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angels said to them about this child. And verse 18, and all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. We have a message that is good news, and there is no shortage of people who need great joy. Amen? There is no shortage of people who need great joy. Do you know when the majority of people who call themselves Christians attend church? Prior to COVID. We'll see afterwards. But do you know when? It was Christmas and Easter. 
Christmas and Easter. No shame on the C&E Christians. Amen? Christmas and Easter. But if, but, but, but if someone's going to dare step through the doors of a church, they're more likely to step through the doors of the church at the invitation of somebody who already attends and on a date when most everybody culturally attends church, which is Christmas and Easter. And we have a great message that will bring great joy that people need to hear. And so please, let me just encourage you this Friday when we have our Christmas Eve service at 4 p.m., 45 minutes in and out. Invite someone. Invite someone. It's a shameless plug. I love it. Yeah. Invite someone. Seriously. Invite someone. Your grandparents who don't go to church. Your husband. Your wife who don't go to church. But invite someone. Because it might be the very moment that they recognize that joy is here and that joy has been sent to them and that they can go through life from then on out experiencing joy, the joy that they need. So joy is sent. The next one is, I'm still doing good on time, y'all. The next one is, joy is a, I love this one, joy is a journey. Come on, man. Joy is a journey. It's a process. It is. Do you know the wise men in the story of, of, of the Christmas story? You know the wise men? And we're always told it's the three magis, and they bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It's three, three guys walking with three camels, and that's it. That really wasn't how that unfolded. It was a caravan. It was a lot of, of wise men, and they came from the East Babylon or modern-day Iraq. And so these were men who were not Jews. They weren't followers of God, but what they were were students of, of the prophet Daniel. So when Israel was held in captivity in Babylon and Daniel found favor with King Nebuchadnezzar and he's going through all this and he's sharing with them the prophecies about the coming Messiah, the wise men of that time period begin to take note. And you know what they did? They passed down after Israel left uh, uh, Babylon. They spent their time, their 70 plus years after they left Babylon, they went on to do the thing. Those wise men kept passing down these prophecies that Daniel, the, the respected Jew, was there. He passed down these prophecies. And they knew the exact time that the star would appear for the birth of the Messiah. And so they went on a journey. They went on a journey, a process. And it's in the journey that we experience joy. Joy is a journey. Matthew chapter 2, verse 10, it says, And when they saw the star, they were filled with what? Joy. It's a journey. Yeah, this is going back to what we're talking about. So when we talk about joy, it doesn't mean that you have to have it all figured out. It doesn't mean that you have to always be smiling real big and cheesy. Let me see your real smile. Let me see your real smile. Anybody got a real smile? Can I see your real smile? Okay. <laughs> this is my real smile. That's my real smile. It's good, isn't it? You see the gap in my teeth? It's right there. This is not my real smile. You see the difference? It's okay. Sometimes you can have a not real. You said no. My real smile. My eyes yeah. My not real smile. You see the difference? Pay attention. All right? <laughs> so now, now you know, like, is Pastor Chris really smiling or is he not his real smile? Sometimes you can smile with an unreal smile. So you're going through something. 
Now, joy is not the absence of emotions, like we said. Sometimes it's the very thing that keeps you going through whatever it is that you're going through. The joy of the Lord is my strength, and the Lord is the strength of my life. And so, man, my face might be in this moment not very joyful looking, but I'm telling you, I have joy. I have an anchor point in my life, and that's on Christ. You know, the psalm, you ever read psalms? First of all, anybody who thinks, do you know if they made the Bible an actual movie? They couldn't show it in theaters. Y'all know that, right? They know that, right? I mean, even even y'all want to, gosh, I'm not even going to go there right now. But listen, go to Psalms and read Psalms. I love Psalms. You know why? Because David is very honest in Psalms. Go read. King David is brutally honest in Psalms. Sometimes he's like, I know the Lord is for me. I know he is against my enemies. As a matter of fact, because you're against my enemies, cut their heads off, Lord. Rip their intestines out of their stomach, God. Thank you for loving me. That's how real David was. Some of us have that, some of us have that David mentality, don't we? But I love it. But, but one thing David landed on in Psalm chapter 30, verse 5, it says, and weeping may last through the night, he said, but joy cometh in the morning, or joy comes in the morning. The manifestation of what I have comes in the morning. I have joy, and my joy is found in God. That's why he was able to say, he said, I know right now it seems dark, but because I know who God is, I know tomorrow is going to be better. John chapter 16 Verse 20, Jesus tells him this, tells his disciples, he said, I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what's going to happen to me. He's talking about his death. He said, but the world will rejoice. He said, and you will grieve. He said, but your grief will suddenly be turned into wonderful joy. And do you know when that was? When they saw the resurrected Christ. Because in that moment, they had an anchor point for their joy. In that moment, they said, you know what? They can take my life, but they can't take my soul. You can take my money, but you can't take the spiritual riches I've been blessed with. You can take my house, but you can't take heaven. Right? How do you start the journey of joy? How do you start that? It's very cliche-like, but it's very true. You know why they have cliches, right? Because there's an element of truth to them. How do you start a journey? You take a step. One step. You take a step. That's how you start that journey. You take a step. And so then how do we start this journey of joy? We start by recognizing that the truth is, is God is with us. I remember, I realized that God is with me. Y'all, God is with me. It's sitting down and saying, I get it. God is with me. We sat down with a couple last night. We had a couple from the church over our house last night. And we were talking, and I said, what's your Jesus story? So if you ever sit down with dinner, from, I'm going to ask you, what's your Jesus story? I said, what's your Jesus story? He told me he began to tell a story. And I said, so I'm, you know, every, every one of us, we have a different encounter or something. He said, I just one day, he said, I just realized he's always been there with me. Like, he's always been there with me. I can look back over my life and see all these different moments that I was like, man, this is crazy. But I can still see that God was there with me in that moment. So how do you take that step, that journey towards joy? You take one step, and it starts with realizing that God is with you. I got two more. Y'all get on time, right? This is good preaching, amen? Thank you. You get extra stars. Next one. Thank you. Next one. You did just that time. All right. Joy, you ready? 
Number four. VeggieTales. Anybody VeggieTales? No. Joy can be scary. It is. Joy can be scary. You say, wait a minute. How can joy be scary? That sounds like a oxymoron, doesn't it? Joy can be scary. How can joy, how can joy be scary? You know, there's a song that I, if I start singing it, you would recognize it, right? It's, 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 it's the most wonderful time of the year. Y'all know that song? No? Yeah, we know that song, right? And, and there's like, and then it goes this one part that I'd never heard until just a couple years ago. It says, and there'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmas is long, long ago. Something like that. Did y'all get that? It'll be scary ghost stories. Never paid attention to it, did you? Now you know. There'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmas is long, long ago. Joy can be scary. In Luke chapter 2, verse 34, I'm going to show you why. You'll see it. You'll make the connection. Luke chapter 2, verse 34, Jesus is being dedicated at the temple, and it says, and then Simeon uh, uh, blessed them, and he said to Mary, he prophesied to the baby's mother, he said, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. If you're highlighting or underlining anything, you want to do it right there. It, he'll cause many of Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent a sign from God. It says, but many will oppose him. See, the scary part of joy, listen, this is, this is it. Here's a scary part of joy. It's being willing to let go of the other things that you think are going to bring you joy. That's the scary part about joy. It's the part where we start to trust the Lord. It's the part where we lean in and, and we begin to trust God. You see, the ones who fell when they encountered Jesus were the ones who, who had white-knuckled their own righteousness. They had white-knuckled their own performance. They had white-knuckled their works-based religion, and they had white-knuckled their own identity. And those are the ones who fell. Isn't it hard to believe that someone who would encounter Jesus and fall so hard? And it said, but then for others, for others, they would rise. Do you know the ones who encountered joy when they encountered Christ? were the ones that had nothing in their hands to hold on to in the first place. Do you see that? Man, that's so hard. I wish I could stand up there and say, and like I have done, you shall also. Someone came up to me a couple weeks ago, and they said, in reference to my Walmart story, and you all have Walmart stories, don't lie. But she said, I thought it was so funny. She said, I thought of the saying, and she said, those who can do and those who can't teach. <laughs> so here I am, <laughs> teaching. <laughs> okay, last one. I'm having fun in church today, y'all. I'm not letting, listen, this is joy manifested. It went from 62 degrees to 40 degrees in two hours. It's rainy outside. It's blowing like crazy. Our signs are falling apart and they're blowing in the wind. It's nuts outside. There are more of y'all watching online than in the house. And so what I'm saying That completely derailed me. All right, so I'm going to move on to the next point. I was going somewhere with that. It was really good. And then you said that, and I was like, yeah. So joy is, you're not going to hear that online. You should be here. All right, so the last one is, 
Joy, joy is a difficult choice. Do you hear me, church? Joy is a difficult choice. Luke chapter 1, verse 46 and 48, it says, Mary responded, oh, how my soul praises the Lord. Did you share this last week? I don't think you did. No, the next verse you did. But listen, the next passage. So she says, Mary, this is Mary. She writes a song about Jesus in verse 46, and it says, oh, my soul praises the Lord, verse 47. Now how my spirit rejoices in God, right? My Savior, verse 48, for he took notice of how lowly, of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. You did use that last week, didn't you? No, just kidding. So, so she writes this song. It's a top 40. It's at the top of the billboard charts, y'all. This is a good song. It stood the test of time. 2,000 years it's been going. Yeah, Mary is such a joyful person. She's such a strong person. But, you know, she wrote that song after a very hard choice. And it was a hard choice. And the choice was trusting God, choosing joy. Because if you go back just a couple of verses in Luke chapter 1, verses 29 through 30, you write it down. This is how it starts off in verse 29. Luke chapter 1, verse 29. says, right here, it says, confused and disturbed. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Woman, you are highly favored of God, and you're going to have a child and give birth to a child. And she's like, but I'm a virgin. I've never been with a man. And the angel gives her this word, and she is sitting there like a lot of us today. That would be confusing and disturbing. Disturbing. And she processes the information, and, and she gets this message of joy that comes through, and she has to make a decision. You see, because she can go, well, that's going to be real weird for me. That's going to immediately make me a social outcast. That's going to make me look like I'm easy and I get around that I've been unfaithful to my fiance. That's going to make me look like X, Y, and Z. But instead of choosing that, she chose the message, the joy behind it. And in making the difficult choice to choose joy, just a few verses later, she was able to write this beautiful song. The song came after being confused and disturbed. She made a decision to trust God. You see, you can, you can choose many things. Come on, y'all. You can choose many things, right? You can choose. Did you know to be bitter is a choice? Don't be bitter. Be better. That was good, wasn't it? Yeah, it was good. It came from a rap song. But anyways... You can choose to be bitter. Did you know you can choose to be cynical? You can choose to be unforgiving. You can choose to be angry. And the good news to know that those things are choices, listen to me, the good news of knowing that those things are choices is that you have the ability to change it. Because if it's not a choice, you're stuck to circumstance. But if you have the ability to change it, you can change the situation if it's a choice. And so joy is a choice, a difficult one at times, but it's a choice. I'm choosing to anchor my trust and my hope and my faith in Christ, and it's going to be the joy of my salvation that gets me through this. We can make the difficult choice to be joy, to be joyful or have joy. After all, it's our strength, right? We started this message with this verse. We'll end this message with this verse. 
In Nehemiah 8.10, it says, don't be dejected or sad. He said, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So there's five, there's five truths about joy. Number one, joy is here right now, manifested present. Number two is that joy has been sent to you. Number three is that joy is a journey. Number four, joy can be scary at times. And number five, joy is a difficult choice. Amen? Amen. Do me a favor. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes real quick? And uh, I'm going to pray for you. But then we're going to actually wrap the service up real quick with some expressive worship. Let me pray for you real quick. Father, I thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your goodness. And I thank you for what you're doing in us and through us. Father, I thank you for what you've done in this service today. God, the words that were spoken today, Father, I pray that they would reverb this week as we go throughout our week, Father, as we approach Christmas, Lord, that we would be able to anchor our day and our hope in you, God, and the joy that we have and found in you. And, Father, for those of us who are having to make a difficult choice today, to be joyful, I just pray, Father God, that you would just give them the opportunity to see your faithfulness manifested in their lives. Father, I pray that you would bring up those moments, God, that they have forgotten where you have been faithful, God, that you would bring those moments up to them so they can see your faithfulness again. And, Father, for those of us who are living out this joy right now, Father, I pray that you would give us a great opportunities to, to share that joy, to share the joy. Father, you are so good, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.